Shining Girls is about a time-traveling, dimension-hopping serial killer. The first three episodes, which Apple TV released on April 29th, are titled Cutline, Evergreen, and Overnight. The show is made up of a consolidated cast led by Elizabeth Moss, Wagner Mora, and Jamie Bell. Welcome to today's episode, where we discuss a different series every show. It's May 2nd. Let's begin. So this makes for the second murder mystery show that I've had to watch in a row. First was FX's Under the Banner of Heaven, now Shining Girls. The similarities are there. Both shows are attempting to send shivers down your spine. Remember the Andrew Garfield show, he finds the murder at the very beginning. In this, we actually meet the murderer going back in time and meeting the victim as a child. In the first scene, right? In the first scene, it's yeah. like 1964. The interesting thing about shows that we've done recently, four out of the last six, Under the Banner of Heaven, Gaslit, The Offer, Russian Doll, all have to deal with a different period. Yeah, but the creator for this show, Sokol Louisa, said that she wasn't as focused at making the time periods as accurate as possible. I remember when I was doing research for something like the newsreaders, they were talking about trying to make like the 80s incredibly accurate with like the haircuts and the clothes they were wearing and the stories that they were having to like report on. Here, she wasn't trying to make it inaccurate, but she also was more focused on trying to just make a good story. That's a pullback. Newsreader? I don't even yeah. remember that show. Um, yeah, I think of Minx. I think of... A ton of other Apple series, which actually like to, like for all mankind, they like to yeah. do background uh, settings and such. But with this show, you do get, like, she pulls out a Game Boy game at one point, which made me realize that Game Boys had been around way longer than I thought. That. <laughs> I thought they came around mid-90s. But apparently 1989. Yeah, you're not talking about the Game Boy SP, right? You're talking about, like, the, the block. The Game Boy one. SP was, like, mid-2000s. Yeah. That would have been... Okay, you're showing that's, your that's age That's when right I now. was growing up. You're yeah, showing your that's age That's why right he's when I was growing up, yeah. But my first Game Boy was the original, but I got it like eight years after it had come out. Mm -hmm. But as far as similarities, that's kind of where it ends for Shining Girls and Under the Banner of Heaven. The differences are pronounced, you know? First, we know the person responsible, Harper, Jamie Bell, the person we talked about earlier. Um, there are less characters to keep track of in this series. If you remember in the FX Under the Banner of Heaven, there was just like that's a, a huge That's a cast. good thing though, right? No, it's great. Apple does it pretty regularly though. They'll cast like these big actors, big budget mm. stuff, and they'll let like three people really take the reins of the entire show. Yeah. And that's what they did here. Kirby or Sharon Leeds, she has two names in the show, um, played by uh, Elizabeth Moss forever playing the victim character, <laughs> sort of, because of her handmaid's uh, background. Yeah, so, so, so is her character here similar to June Osborne? Uh, yeah, in a way. She's the heroine of the show, obviously. She's, I, it's hard to compare her directly to the Handmaid's Tale character, mostly because the Handmaid's character changes throughout <laughs> the series. Like, she goes a little nuts. I remember, at, I remember you saying it. And in this, podcast, she yeah. starts off sort of nuts. And she's, her, again, her name is Kirby, Sharon Leeds. She's the one who got away. She was attacked by Harper, but she wasn't murdered by him. She was the only one to get She's away, right? She's the only one yeah. to get away. Then we have Dan Velasquez. He's this disgraced journalist. He reminded me a lot of Chris Pine's character in I Am the Night, where he used to be a successful guy, and then, like, this negative thing happened to him. Or, in this case, he got a divorce, and he, like, went on a bender, and now he's a he's an alcoholic do, do you know who where, spends his night just... what? Do you know where you've seen him before? Wagner Mora? No. Where have I seen him before? Narcos? Elite Squad, the man from the future, the one movie about the guy who goes back in time. Yeah, so he's super <laughs> famous 
is a journalist as well in the show, but also in real life, like his background is in journalism. And he said that his character really gets traction from kind of episode three onwards. That sort of makes sense. I have conflicting views on his character because like he does some stuff in episode three, which I'm not a fan of. He sort of reminds me his look wise of the professor from Money Heist <laughs> just after like one too many benders, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, his character is different from He's how disheveled. it is in the book. But yeah, because this is this is based on a book by Lauren Bucus that came out in 2013. We'll get to that in a second, but I kind of want to get to the rest of the characters. Sure. Those were the three that I really just wanted to highlight. Um, the rest of them I can just bring up when I bring them up. The other differences, though, for this and Under the Banner of Heaven are that this is, like, completely supernatural. Yeah. Things are happening. Crazy things are happening. Um, you were supposed to think you have an unreliable narrator, but really, that's not the case. Really? Her reality is is unreliable. Because the because art. What, she's, like, the one constant. Her brain knows what's going on, and everything is changing around her. Let, let's do the summary real quick. There's this woman... Her name again for the third time <laughs> is Kirby or Sharon. She was attacked and cut open in 1986, but survived. This was while she was walking her dog. She was nabbed mm. and like sliced open. Um, once her recovery happened, though, like she started noticing everything was disjointed and her reality couldn't be kept straight. So she starts like journaling everything. She changes her name to Kirby because she knows her killer's out there uh, or her attempted murderer is out there. And then it turns out she's probably not crazy because she's like dimension shift shifting. The person who attacked her can time travel and he stalks his victims in these weird ways where he like meets them as a child and he gives them gifts. And it's 1992 now, so six years later, and she's still writing in her journal trying to keep track of everything. And she's planning this move to Florida. And then she notices this new murder that happens, this person named Julia Madrigal, because she works for the paper. So she's like one step ahead of anybody else who'd be keeping track of murders. She notices that the wounds are consistent with hers. And then she works with Dan, who's the, again, this deadbeat reporter. And they get these police reports to find evidence that there are a string of the serial killer's murders that's never been attached to one another. And so they're on to Harper a little bit. They just don't know who he is. In fact, Harper's met Dan several times because he's now stalking him. <laughs> and uh, and by, by the end of the episode three, Kirby has tracked down a to-be victim of Harper's who we've already seen be murdered, but like hasn't actually happened So yet. they so went back in time before the murder and is trying to save? And that's a reveal because okay. we're led to believe because the time is so inconsistent in the show and we're never exactly sure what dimension we're in or what's going on. Um <laughs> 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 Sounds like Legion, but yeah. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't compare it to Legion. The tone is completely different. But the best parts, I can get to the best parts yeah. for me. I really like it every time something changed. Kirby's reality, like at first she's journaling about stuff and you're not exposed. So you're not supposed to know why. Like she's saying the name of her cat. She's saying that she has a Godzilla mug that picks up this leak at work. And so she goes to work and then she's like mail delivering all this stuff to the upstairs reporters, right? And she comes back down to her desk and suddenly her desk is different. Someone else is in her desk. And then she looks across the room and finds her desk somewhere else. So her desk location changes. It's small stuff at first. Then suddenly her cat becomes her dog. And then her dog becomes her cat. They're all named <laughs> Gretel, though. So Grendel. Sorry, not Gretel. Um, and then her apartment moves by the end of the first episode. And then there's also this scene where she's getting medically examined by like someone who does autopsies normally. Yeah. And her name is Iris, and she's talking her through it, and she's like, okay, I can see what the killer did. And suddenly it's a man, and it's Howard, and he's been doing the autopsy the whole time, or the, the medical examination the entire time. 
I now understand what people are saying when they're like, this show is like the film My Father, which came out in 2020 about yes. Anthony Hopkins having but Alzheimer's. But that's where he has Alzheimer's, so it makes more sense Right, for where it's happen. like in like in the middle of a scene, something will suddenly change, and it's like, yes, it, it changes the whole entire course of that like interaction. That is a great comparison. But the difference is we're led to believe that she is right here. Mm-hmm. It also reminds me a little bit of that new movie, Every, Everywhere, Every... Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Yes, but I don't want to give yeah, spoilers of it, but it's a great movie and people should check that out. <laughs> By the f- end of the first episode, though, Kirby, she finds her new apartment. Her whole episode has been concentrating on her relationship with her mom living as roommates. She even told her mom sort of about what's happening to her for mm-hmm. the first time. So you feel this sympathy for Kirby. And then suddenly her mom's not there. She has a husband. It's Marcus, the <laughs> photographer who we met earlier in the episode. And she has a whole new different life. Like she's no longer moving to Florida. And so like that was a jarring one. So right, they yeah. can go from anything from like small things to big things really quickly. And that was super cool to think because it opens up so many questions that I now have. For instance, these are all my questions. I have them listed here. What causes Kirby to flip dimensions? Is it stress? Is it randomness? Does she have any control over it? Because imagine if you had control over that ability. Oh, yeah, no, it would be a superpower, literally. You it is a anywhere. superpower. It's like Doctor Strange. Almost. But that's sort of what the other guy's using it for. Harper is using it as a superpower, but he's like an evil guy using it as a superpower, <laughs> and she doesn't know what she's doing or how she's doing it. And then did she gain this ability when Harper attacked her, or did it start before Harper uh, attacked her when he started stalking her? So the, he goes through this similar process whenever he finds a victim. He meets them as a child. He then stalks them as an adult. He makes it very clear that he's stalking them. He calls them up. He taunts them. Almost he, like scream a little he bit. He takes pictures of them doing things that they're doing that second and then plants them in the past <laughs> so they can find them in that second. So there's this one scene where Julia is holding up a knife trying to defend herself and she finds a picture of her holding up the knife trying to defend herself. <laughs> and it's so creepy and it's so good. But it also leads to the question of like how he's doing it. But it also had me thinking... These women were complaining about their reality sort of going weird and being stalked. So maybe they, before they were killed, started to have the same type of ability that Kirby that, was having. That makes sense because in the book, Kirby is not the main character. That's there, so weird. There's well, it's she's is Harper. It's every single chapter is based on a different victim. Oh, so yeah, Kirby and Harper are technically main characters, but they're not like the the main ones. It's not one person's POV the whole time. I so. think this is a good adaptation. Otherwise, I'd be more confused. And right now, like I again, still have so many questions. Her journal, which I told you about, mm-hmm. right, yeah. where that she keeps track of her changes in. Like when her cat changed to a dog, she it still showed in her journal that it was a cat, that she had written cat down. Right, yeah. But when she switches realities to her husband, it doesn't say that she was ever lived with her mom. So her journal sometimes changes with it and sometimes doesn't. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of that movie Shuffle with the guy from Bones. It reminded me of Sliders. <laughs> yeah well yeah obviously because they can they continue to change but sliders and sometimes he would get into realities that were almost exactly like his original except just with a key difference i was gonna say the sliders was more one-off this is like a full-on story though right yeah and it never seems like she goes backwards like she never goes back to the other world that she's in or we mm-hmm. haven't seen that yet um but she also never goes to something so drastic like with hot dog fingers or something like <laughs> where where something completely out of possibility and she would just go insane if she like people so, didn't yeah. look the same i anymore. mean Silco louisa was talking about how like as much as it is a sci-fi show they were trying to keep it grounded in some that, type of reality yeah they do 
but I am more curious about whether or not Kirby is able to find her real reality or what her real reality is, even, even because we have it probably never seen it and whether or not she'll be able to get back. That is the sliders question. I also really liked the postulation of what a psychopath could do in with an ability like this. Like we always see a Doctor Who mm-hmm. with a time travel ability. but we never see something that's truly horrifying as this like he has nine victims and counting at this point we've seen uh basically two julia magical and jin sook and again jin sook is the uh, lady that she finds at the end of episode three right that turns out to be alive even though the possession that the item that he took off her when he killed her was found in a lady in 1972 or something because he had like time traveled and killed her and put so they, he keeps on putting possessions in the people he kills. So he put like a box of matches into Kirby when he was killing her. And that box of matches had an address on it for a bar that was actually a laundromat in her universe. So, this so guy, he's putting these different items in the people and maybe that's giving them the ability to switch uh, universes like it's confusing the whole I don't know, process. There are of, clues, though, right? I mean, the like... Yeah, I, he wants to get caught, it seems like, sometimes. It's like he's Moriarty from Sherlock. Yeah, he likes to play with his victims, and he likes to just hang around and, and kind of flirt with the police. Um, <laughs> it, but why he gives gifts to people, I don't know. He seems to have a motive behind it. It might just be out of sick enjoyment, but it, that, it seems like there's a purpose. Well, now I'm know? now I'm saying more because director Michelle Maxwell McLaren, who directed the first two episodes, also directed things like The X Files, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, Westworld. She was talking wow. about what she was trying to uh, like, what influenced this story, and she said the influences were all the president's men, the insiders, Seven, and Zodiac. And I was like, Seven Zodiac, and Zodiac seems kind of seems kind of different, but. From the way you're describing it, it makes sense. They, also, people said that there was a hint of dark in this, the Netflix show. You know, I, that went through my head for like a split second. It's not that confusing. Because Kirby is our only main character, it makes it a lot easier. Like in Dark, you had Jonas, you had like 50 <laughs> characters and they would all switch to different times and you'd watch. This, it doesn't feel like that. You're really kind of being led down one avenue. I'm just enjoying the ride and I'm having those questions. The worst part of the show, though, is also relates to the best part because they stopped changing stuff after episode one. Her reality stopped shifting nearly as Wait, much. So she's, oh, she's no, changed okay. reality. All those things that I talked about, the desk and the in cat the first and all episode? that, all that happened in the, in, the, in the fact that her husband is now her husband, all first episode stuff. After that, it really seemed like she got grounded in her own reality there. And I was wondering if that was because she was, like, motivated or if it was more to do with the fact that for the show's convenience, for plot. It took until the end of episode three until they did a different change where she looks in her reflection and suddenly she has long hair and then suddenly she has long hair. The whole show, she's had, like, this kind of mid... I guess right, yeah, yeah, to her ears, maybe. I don't know. Well, I mean, this is only supposed to be eight episodes. Um, they shot in Chicago because that's where it takes place, which is a lot different than Lauren Bukes' books. Which... It takes place in Chicago, not just shot in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. But that's, that's the thing. Lauren Bukes' book takes place in Chicago as well. However, all her other books takes place in South Africa. So, huh. yeah, they, they say it Well, I was bit. happy not to see another New York because at first you saw Big City, mm-hmm. but then I, I saw the word Chicago in the background. And a lot of the actors are also from local Chicago theater productions because, um, again, that's where does they were Shameless shooting Does Shameless take place in Chicago? Because a lot of, the, does, homes, think, yeah. a lot of the homes that they have portray- portrayed, especially Harper's house, the one that's all boarded up, looks a lot like the Shameless property. Yeah, I think it, it at least takes place in Illinois, I'm pretty sure. Um, Dan, though, he speaks Portuguese in one of the episodes that you watched, right? I think when he was talking to his son. 
he speaks Portuguese. It feels like he speaks Portuguese a lot. Dan's importance in the show doesn't really make as much sense to me because he's he's a alcoholic, coke addict. He kind of ditches out on his son a lot. Oh, so. um, it, he's kind of just lazy. Like he'll work it real hard to help Kirby. But then in this last third episode, he disclosed her as a source to his boss. And then he tried to push her to come out publicly so that he could write this article and out the fact that Harper's out there. And it, it just came across really sleazy because there's really no... It, right now, you, you as the viewer want to see Kirby catch Harper. Like, she was already trying yeah. to confront her assailant in the first episode when they thought they had a lead and it ended up not going anywhere. So you know that that's where this is ultimately headed. The The idea of an article coming out and changing things, I know that's what the show is, like, based around, mm-hmm. but it doesn't captivate you in the same way that the time traveling stuff does like that stuff is interesting dan's alcoholism is i I thought that from the way they were describing dan he was more like the partner in crime he is it's just that last episode he kind of turned into a nuisance he also forked up to harper who kirby that kirby was around like because he got really drunk dan did and then harper is still stalking him like he's going to his house and he's leaving uh the books turned over and he's interviewing his son almost um and but like he goes to the bar that dan is at harper does and then he confronts him at the subway almost kills him there but then decides not to and he's able to gauge from dan's answer that the person who is helping him is the lone survivor i mean that's a big that's a big clue yeah but he's too drunk to even remember doing that the next day um also, it's shot in a disjointed way where we see the ending at the beginning of the episode and then at the end of the episode. Yeah, I mean, they shot all, like, they shot the episodes out of order. In fact, that's what <laughs> Louis, uh, Silka Louisa said was, like, the biggest challenge of the whole show. It's funny because they could have shot it out of order, but actually in order of events. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm also curious about this whole Jin Sook storyline because we see her kind of uh, shown as this planetarium scientist lady in the first episode. And then she, her storyline is just cut off and you're just like wow that was interesting yeah but now it feels like obviously that was intentional because she's going to play a part in catching the guy uh because and maybe kirby's even going to be able to save her um from her death she was in the show that we were supposed to do if you remember called the bite but you recognize where she was from she looks like the hamilton lady. she is the hamilton lady okay so she's from hamilton yeah and uh although it isn't it's filmed with normal cameras like the further back it goes it's supposed to be more grainy yeah, now that you mention it, I mean, the 1964 line, which we only saw for a few seconds or for like a minute or so, started off the show. So I wasn't even paying attention to it mm-hmm. at that point. But I guess it was more blue. Um, the, the interesting thing about that, because it gets to my theories on the show, is that in that first scene, Harper shows up. He's talking to this little girl. It's clearly one of those instances where if you were an adult walking by that situation, you would have been like, no, 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 no. You know what? You don't know her. Maybe you shouldn't be talking. He, he clips the... Uh, wings off a bee that she's like caught Uh, like he pulls them off and he says at first we take we find it shine and then we take it away oh that's well that's shining girls so my theory or i have a couple of them but like one is that he's trying to rid the world of people that he's found with special abilities that he's identified as special he's found these kids who will eventually have the ability to do what kirby is can do which is like flip dimensions but 
and maybe even get control of it after a while. And he's killing them before that happens. And then he like leaves a trademark into into their body. That's a weird theory. It doesn't make too much sense when you because it's almost casting him in the hero aspect. Like he's trying to prevent well, the yeah, world I mean, from having yeah, something I mean, happen. But to Jamie Bell has said that like he doesn't view himself obviously as the villain as like the villain. He sees himself as kind of like the hero. He's supposed to be charismatic. He's from what I read. but he taunts them. Like if he was really thinking that he was a good guy, he wouldn't call them up and do the whole scream thing where he's like, I can see you. Mm. Oh, careful where you're stepping. You're about to step on bubble wrap. And then they do. Mm. Also, it wouldn't explain why he got the ability to begin with or why only these shining girls would have the ability. So the theory doesn't track too far. It's just one of those ones that are out there. Right. Yeah. And uh, kind of like you've alluded to, um, they said that the show is more a who, not a who done it, but a how they done it yes. <laughs> type situation, which is uh, straight out of the book. Uh, there's no way they at this point could try to say that this is real though like that that they could explain this all way with like a mirror or a magic trick you know like it's very clear that this guy is able to go back in time and change stuff um which is so scary it reminds me a little bit of the frequency movie it reminds me of maybe a fringe plot that you'd see um it's kind of like ordinary joe if (laughs) <laughs> the Joe guy was able to actually flip between the three realities yeah, we end up seeing him in. And then it also reminds me of those like comic book strips or something that you would see on a, on a Sunday um, newspaper where you were supposed to spot the difference between two pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's sort of what's happening to her is like one second she'll find that there's a new um, uh, sheet of paper on the on the table or something. And then the next second, like, it's a whole different, like, hairstyle. Was your, was your favorite episode the first episode because they were doing the most with it? Yes, or? I think so. Now that I, when I was writing on my notes, I was like, yeah, they really went intense with her flipping. And I kept on being not concerned, but, like, it would set you on edge, you know? As an audience person, you were just, like, sitting there being like, what's going to happen next? So what would you what'd you give the show overall? I would give the show overall a seven. A seven? Yes. Yeah. That matches exactly with the IMDB score. Um, it reminds me the most of Archive 81, honestly, because it's almost a guilty pleasure at this point. I'm really enjoying the mystery, but at the same time, there are a lot of scenes that I could just do without where I feel like they're just stretching it for plot convenience. So, so if they just limited it down to the time travel, you think that'd be a really good show then? If they kept moving at the same pace that they did in episode one, I'd probably give it an eight. The thing about my conclusion here is that Apple is quickly becoming my favorite streamer because of its original content. Even the mediocre stuff like this is worth a watch because I consider their mediocre stuff to be like Suspicion, Slow Horses, Servant. Um, and then they're really good stuff to be the things like Pachinko, Severance for All Mankind, The After Party. They've been hitting a lot out of yeah. the park lately. So it's like, yeah, that would probably be my subscription to go to right now. And I will continue to watch this, even though I'm giving it only seven. Originally, I think the rights were given to Leonardo DiCaprio's film company in 2013. And then Silka Luisa said that she started writing the pilot like five years ago. They, the thing I've also noticed about Apple series is they like to depend on murders and kidnappings a lot, like for their mystery. <laughs> you have Shining Girls with the murder, uh, slow horses, kidnapping, suspicion, kidnapping, the after party, murder, defending <laughs> Jacob, murder. And so they do like to stretch that possibility. So that's kind of where I deduct them points as well, because they're kind of using the same uh, what happened. Yeah, yeah. How, how they done it. In the book, they keep the victims' names, but the backstories for them are completely different. Like Julian Madrigal that you were talking about is yes. actually a Canadian student studying economics, not a social worker. And this, she's a social worker. Yeah, that's where Harper goes to meet her. Harper's visiting someone, though, at the place that she works, 
which is like when you say visiting what like just like he's talking to someone um it may be a friend of his and then the social worker or, or julia mentions that he dresses in a way that someone who's served in the military may have dressed so we do learn these little clues about harper but there's nothing that gives away anything that would help us gauge what is going on. So but, that's kind well, of... Well, is he, is he the best actor? Because people say Elizabeth Moss is the highlight of the show. He's not in it nearly as much as Elizabeth Moss. So she does carry the show. But, like, again, I've seen her carry a show before in Handmaid's Tale, and then that just go off the rails. So I, I, I hope that they're, doesn't happen. They're making a fifth season to it. And did you know they're also making a Blade Runner show? Sokol Louisa person said that she gets set With up Elizabeth a writing Moss? team. I don't think so, but it's going to oh. be on Amazon Prime. Oh, it is interesting how, like, Hulu controls Handmaid's Tale and they wouldn't lock her into a contract that says you can't do Apple series or you can't do any other streaming yeah, series. Yeah, that is strange. So Cutline, Evergreen, Overnight. If you haven't checked them out, go ahead and do so because we just spoiled them for you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.